are listening to Bringing Grace to the Nations podcast, where we talk about your theological questions. BGN podcast is produced every Saturday for your enjoyment. Get more information on our website, grace-nation.com. Also, follow us on Twitter at Grace Nation Min and on Facebook. Now, here is your host, President of Grace Nation Ministries, Victor. Hello, guys, and welcome back to the Bringing Grace to the Nations podcast. I am your host, Victor, and I'm so thankful that we can be here just on another day bringing you hopefully another amazing podcast. I'm so blessed to be able to be with two guys today that have really impacted me in my spiritual walk, probably more than what they think. Uh, So I'm super blessed by both of these guys. And uh, just a few quick announcements. We have a new post on Grace Nation. uh, So make sure you guys go check that out. That'll be in the link uh, in today's show notes uh, written by Jensen and just a great article about just her experience this weekend. And also another pretty cool announcement is we have Billy. Uh, He's actually going to be joining us as co-host to the podcast for the next few months, Uh, and at least until I depart and go to North Carolina. I'm sure even after I go to North Carolina, our uh, podcasting days won't be over. We'll still try and get in touch even after that. But Billy, you've done so much ministry. You've been on Mm. What is the Reformed Theology podcast. You've been on Sign Gifts podcast. You've really helped us dive deeper and deeper into scripture. And so thank you for that. And Mm. welcome to the to the team. Yeah, Uh, man. Hey, I'm so I'm so honored and blessed and humbled to be here. Um, I was just praying last week that the Lord would give me more opportunities to advance the kingdom. And and in a way that, you know, I'm not even doing it face to face, but more behind the scenes. Mm. And even though these people can hear my voice, they don't know me. But it's such a blessing to me to get to dive into scripture and theology. Some of the most beautiful things Mm. um, ever. And, And I really do believe and, and this is this is just the experience that I've been on your show the few times I've been on. It's stirred my affections for the Lord. I'm, I'm sure it's done the same. That's for awesome. You. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and it's just emboldened me in so many ways. And so this is, I mean, this is awesome. And I am really, I'm genuinely excited uh, for the next few months to see what God does and how He uses this for the advancement of the gospel. Yeah, I'm, I am so excited and just welcome to the team. Hopefully, uh, just the future. God's just going to use this ministry yeah. in some amazing ways, and I'm excited that you, you can. You did get like some emails, right? Did some people tell you yeah, that, that just, we work well we together? Yeah, we work well together. <laughs> I've gotten Tyler. He's actually our guest on today's podcast. He's been kind of a big proponent in that. I've gotten a few emails <laughs> from people that just listen to the show that are just like, you guys converse well together. So I feel like we do. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, yeah, it's great. So I just introduced our guest on today's podcast. You've been on... Uh, the second ever podcast of Bringing Grace second to the Nations. Second podcast, yeah. yeah. And that was a, one of my favorites. It was down. fun. It yeah, was a lot of fun. It was fun. great. The topic was great. It was a good time. Yeah. I'm um, the redheaded stepchild of the of the podcast. You guys are the ones who work well together. And I'm just on the outskirts uh, providing little bits of opinions. But no, I'm here for fun. Like this is uh, podcasting and dealing with, um, like Billy said, advancement of the kingdom in any way possible is the most fun endeavor there can be. And, yeah, absolutely. I, and I... I am a huge fan of Grace Nation, just as an organization. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. Everything that you write, everything that Jensen writes, everything that the whole team mm. really puts forward is such a great ministry and a great group of people. Yeah, just seeing it develop over the past few years has really been just encouraging to my soul and hopefully to maybe just the few people we've been able to reach, but nonetheless 
people we've been able to reach. Mm -hmm. um, so thank you so much for being on today's show. And then also just the way Billy and you talk is awesome to watch. We have fun. Like yeah. just in the hallways. We have fun. I can hear you guys from like across campus. Yeah, just yeah. There's been so many times where we've had conversations and we're just like, we should have had recorded. Yeah, you know just recorded yeah. because it's... That could be the podcast. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyways, today's podcast is kind of going to be piggybacking off of what we talked about last week. Yes. Uh, sign gifts, yes or no, was the mm -hmm. title of the podcast last week. And kind of before we jump into what we're going to be talking about today, let's give a short recap of what we talked about last week. Okay. So Billy, yeah. kind of lead us into that. What did we talk about last yeah, week? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what we talked about last week was probably one of the most controversial issues um, in the church for at least the past few centuries. I mean, that's undebated. Um, and especially with the rise of the charismatic movement now, it's such a controversial topic, uh, specifically the continuation of the sign gifts in the present day age. Um, if these gifts are still active, how God is using them. Mm. And we went over the two main views, uh, which is cessationism and continuationism. Uh, cessationism being the belief and the conviction that these sign gifts or, or the so-called um, gifts of the spirit that were that were given for the authenticate of the message of the gospel so like speaking in tongues uh, interpretation of tongues miracles healings uh, these gifts cessationists would say ceased at the death of the last apostle hmm. at the end of the first century okay whereas continuationists would say that the gifts are still active today uh, now continuationists wouldn't wouldn't just adopt and affirm the charismatic movement and their practices we did talk about last week how there are people who fall under the category of open but cautious like you and I right. would, who would say that the gifts need to be practiced in parameters uh, in the parameters that God gives us in scripture like Paul to the Corinthians uh, corporate worship there needs to be a structure and the charismatic movement today we, we, we said we do believe that some of their practices go against biblical teaching right. and Absolutely. apostolic doctrine in the way that they practice the gifts specifically like speaking mm -hmm. in tongues uh, but I mean like last week we made the conclusion that we would fall under the open but cautious category right. yeah. we, we do believe God's still using those gifts today in various ways that the manifestations we see of the Spirit um, are different in different places. I think, right. what was the term you used? Geographical continuationism is, is kind of the, the yeah. term that I coined. It's not like an official theological term or anything. Now but it is. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's yeah. an official Grace Nation <laughs> theological yes, term. Yeah, that's for sure. we'll make our own dictionaries. That's it. <laughs> but yeah, so like that's kind of yeah. the, the term that, that was coined. And I think, biblically, it makes sense. And it it's not a compromise, but it's a accurate interpretation yeah we, we're reconciling what the scriptures say and i think our main argument we talked about like first corinthians 13 where it talks about the cessation of prophecy and of tongues uh being when the perfect comes and, right and we define that as being uh not the the completion of the canon the canon of scripture but the second coming of christ where you know for now we see in a mirror one day we'll see face to face and the perfect will know us and so we would say that the consummation of christ's kingdom when he returns uh when the church no longer needs to be edified but she will be glorified mm. uh when christ's bride and him will be together uh, for all eternity, we would say that that is the point where the sign gifts, uh, well, well, any of the gifts, at right, all, right, because the advancement of the gospel at that point will end exactly right? because the great commission has been fulfilled. Right, um, all all of God's elect have been saved. Uh, the body is complete. Uh, I would say, I would venture to say, and I think it's important we make we we kind of touched on this last week, but we talked about how the New Testament doesn't in of itself distinguish between spiritual gifts and sign gifts when paul makes a list of gifts throughout the new testament he usually puts them all together mm -hmm. now there is structure to the list like when he's giving to the corinthians they valued tongues and so paul intentionally put that last right uh, to show that it was not as important as the as what we what he calls the higher right. gifts and he actually he actually says that it's one of the rarest of gifts yeah um, absolutely 
And so with with all of those things being said, and after recapping kind of what we talked about last week, like let's kind of springboard into what we're going to be discussing this yes. week. So based off of what we came to conclusions, you know, of last week. So mm-hmm. our conclusion of last week is what we will be speaking from on the topic today, yes. right? So we're, we're not speaking from a continuationist viewpoint, nor are we speaking from a cessationist viewpoint. We are mm-hmm. speaking from this geographical continuation viewpoint. And I think all three of us here at least somewhat affirm that open but cautious kind of view uh, of the gifts. And so specifically, we're going to be focusing on prophecy mm-hmm. and its role in the church and the, role, and the way God uses it in today's world. Because yes. I think it is... Maybe apart from tongues, one of one of the more confusing mm-hmm. sign gifts, or or can cause the more most confusion within mm-hmm. a congregation of people, um, and so jumping into that, Tyler, uh, I know you you have uh, had some experiences and some encounters, and so like we'll definitely get to talking about those, and we'd love to hear what you have to say on that kind of stuff as well, because personally I have not come into an interaction like that, so it's good to get everything mm-hmm. you know kind of just talked about. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so prophecy, speaking biblically, like what is the biblical basis of just prophecy in general? Mm-hmm. So let's kind of let's kind of try and set what prophecy is so that we can talk about its its use and application biblically today, mm-hmm. right? So so to yeah. understand the way it's used today, we have to understand what it actually is. Okay, so what is it? One of the things we have to first point out is there's a difference between Old Testament prophet and New Testament prophet. Right. Yes. The basic fundamental definition, but something that needs to be brought out. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. In New Testament Christianity, you don't see the office of prophet. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the great prophet. He's the fulfillment of all prophets. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we don't have an office necessarily in New Testament Christianity of prophet. However, there is a gift of prophecy mm-hmm. right there's a Absolutely. little bit of a distinction there right yeah um, and I think th- John MacArthur points that out and right. some of the stuff he writes is that the office of prophet isn't being filled right now right. but the gift of prophecy yeah. can still be used and I think that's really important to note yeah in the New, the New Testament we see we see the apostles those who had seen the risen Christ received revelation from him and who had the authority to write scripture and so I think uh, Wayne Grimm talks about this in his book Systematic Theology about how the New Testament apostles are like kind of like the equivalents of the Old Testament prophets. Mm. Uh, so what we see the prophets doing in the Old Testament are exactly what the apostles are doing in the New Testament. Right. And so there, there is a distinction and there is a difference. Um, can we like kind of like touch on how would we define prophecy? What would be a biblical definition? Yeah. Like what of is that? the biblical definition? Because yeah, what that, is it? That, yeah, you, for that sure. word is used in a variety of different ways. It is, and I think in today's. Uh, even in today's culture in like America and this post-Christian culture that we talked about a few weeks ago, like we have this idea of what prophecy is. And I think sometimes that can stray from mm-hmm. what the actual biblical definition yeah. is. Right. So yeah. maybe we should spend some time talking about it. Uh, yeah. And I think Wayne Grudem gives a pretty good definition of, he does. of what biblical prophecy is. Yes. Um, Actually, uh, I have his book right here, Systematic Theology. And one thing he says, um, I think it's right here. He talks about, specifically prophecy in the New Testament. And so he's talking about the meaning of the word because that is controversial. Mm. And even in the New Testament times uh, in the first century, the word was used in different ways. Right. Uh, Paul even talks about a Greek poet, um, Epimenides, um, who he says was a prophet of the Greek people. Not to say that he directly spoke the very words of God, uh, but that he relayed a message that he had received. Mm. Uh, and so I think biblically speaking, if we're talking about the New Testament, we're not talking about 
we're not talking about prophecy in the sense that they that they spoke out the very words of God, um, but that they received revelation and they spoke that forth, mm. and it was not given. It was not considered to have divine authority as the scriptures do, but it was tested by the scriptures. Right. That's tying into what you said earlier. That role of speaking the authoritative word of God was the apostolic role. Yes. Right. So there's a distinction between the apostolic role and the prophetic gifting. Absolutely. That was carried yes. out. Absolutely. So that prophetic gifting, like you're saying, would have then been not over scripture yeah but under scripture absolutely and it totally supported have to be supported by scripture and its yeah. revelation and we see in deuteronomy i mean uh moses gives the the test of the genuineness of a prophet right uh, whether they're a false prophet or true prophet is based on if the revelation they receive uh comes about to fruition uh in their in their day so if they make a prophecy about something if they foretell something that is to come uh that they receive from the lord uh not saying that it's going to happen but if they were to say that it's happening and then it happens that's how we know that they're true prophets uh the bible defines in the old testament at least a false prophet as someone who calls out revelation mm -hmm. um but that revelation is proven false it doesn't come to fruition it doesn't right. happen in real life uh, whereas true prophets, when they say that something will happen, uh, just as Agabus did in, in Acts, uh, when he predicted that a famine was going to come, uh, he he said that to the Jerusalem church, and then we see a f like about, I think about twenty to thirty years later, famine actually did come. Right. Uh, so I think that that's um, so I think biblically speaking, our definition of prophecy, uh, if we're talking about the New Testament and the way that the word was used. I think the best definition, and, and tell me if you disagree, I think I think it'd be receiving revelation from God and speaking it forth, but still not speaking with that same divine authority, but testing it with the scriptures. Would yes. you guys agree? And not speaking it forward unless it is tested by the scriptures. That's right. Right. Not teaching yes. it as truth until it's been. Yes. Uh, and I think we read in 1 John 4 yeah. uh, a little bit about testing the spirits and, yes. and understanding that if anything comes from God that's been like not defined in biblical context. So if we receive yeah. a vision, like a vision's not the Bible. So then we go to what our ultimate authority is that God has given us and then make sure that those two corrob corroborate. And that's just walking in wisdom. Right. Right. If, if we only, if we have scripture as the divine authoritative word of God, and yet we have supernatural experiences, we want supernatural experiences to be corroborated by right. our source of wisdom. Absolutely. Otherwise we're going to be deceived. Right. And yeah. we're going to be, and that's much of the issue that people have and I have with the charismatic mm -hmm. movement is it's many yeah. um, experiential uh, thoughts. It's a lot of yeah. uh, feelings, mm -hmm. emotions, ideas that when connected with scripture have no carry to them, mm -hmm. have no right. weight to them, don't hold any water. So then Absolutely. my concern is for the soul of the person with the experiences. Right. If this isn't corroborating with scripture, what is it corroborating? Right. With? Absolutely. Right. That's yeah. the scary part. And we have, and, and we have to understand that those experiences may be very real experiences, Certainly. but they might not be from God. Certainly. And that's the scary that's part. That's the scary part. Right. Yes. And we talked about this last week. I mean, I've seen, I've seen Muslims speak in tongues. Yep. Right. And that doesn't mean just because you have a spiritual religious experience yeah. does not mean that it's produced by the spirit. Right. Um, and because even Paul talks about uh, in first Corinthians 12, no one can say by the spirit, Jesus is a curse. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so we notice that when the spirit gives people, those gifts will always be practiced in accordance with the word, Absolutely. never in contradiction, always for the edification of the body. We will never see a gift practice that contradicts the message of Scripture. And so I think it's important that we understand that all the gifts of the Spirit, whether we label them as sign gifts or not, all the gifts are used for the building up of the body, and they're always used uh, to authenticate and to promote and proclaim and advance the message of the gospel. Mm -hmm. uh, That's always the purpose of the gifts. Right. Um, and, and it's always for the good of the body. And so if we see people practicing these gifts 
contrary to that, then we know that it's not of the spirit, even if it is supernatural. Right. Yeah, I com- completely agree. And I think and we even I even gave the example or the story last week of, of the man who was uh, speaking Russian over the entire congregation. Mm, that was my um, favorite part of the episode. And it was, that's a that really was great that, story. That was the favorite part? That was my favorite part, yes. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> my story, thank goodness. No, it was a tremendous story. No, it is, and it's it a true tremendous. story. Yeah. It's, he, he was literally proclaiming over the entire audience, yeah. hail Satan, hail Satan, hail Satan, and everyone was completely oblivious to it, yeah. except for the one Russian visitor right. who was there. Mm. And that's crazy, because the man who was in the back wasn't Russian. Right. But something was happening to him to speak in Russian, and it wasn't God. Wow. Absolutely. And that's the scary part, well, yeah. what we just talked about. Uh, and so, yeah, I definitely think prophecy can play a role in today's times. As, as we've talked about, open but cautious. But we have to make sure that it's in biblical parameters. Agreed. And when it's not, it's directly from Satan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's directly Absolutely. for the purpose of deceiving. And Satan's in the game of convincing us, right? He wants to convince us that 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 this is from God, mm-hmm. right? That's the purpose of deceit. Yeah. It's not he. Do, he's not trying to say, "Hey, just go do this because it's blatantly wrong." He wants you to. He wants you to think that you're doing something completely mm-hmm. right. That's so good. And good. and so that's like that's his driving motive and so if he's especially within this charismatic movement Mm. uh, a place where i feel like especially the extreme charismatics yeah he has such a foothold in this area that that sometimes it's just we're completely oblivious to the fact Mm -hmm. that it's not from god and it's because we're stepping outside of the parameters of scripture yeah right um yeah so yeah and because that's the norm that we see today that's why people are so are so you know, they tiptoe around these gifts and and they want to affirm uh, their cessation. I mean, we see in churches like I got saved in a Baptist church that was completely cessationist, and I had no idea. And then a few months later, I went to a non-denominational church, uh, mm-hmm. went to a retreat with them. They were super charismatic, spoke in tongues, and, and I was confused as to what this phenomenon was because I'd never seen it in my church. And so, mm-hmm. having those open dialogue with both both sides, I came to realize that I had to seek the, seek what God's word said regarding the gift. Um, and I think the reason people's perception of it is so hostile is because they've seen it so so used in the church in a way that is not in line with Scripture. Mm. And so blatantly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I think Paul says in 1 Corinthians, um, in chapter 14, he talks about um, speaking in tongues being a sign for unbelievers, a sign of judgment. Uh, but the thing is, if there is no interpreter, then they will leave the church and they will never mm. come back. They'll yeah. say that they're out of their minds. Right. Because God's not a God of confusion. That's, That's something that we talked about last That's week. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because... I think we the church itself. So, like Matt Chandler says, that the pastor's kind of the rotor of of the of the local church, right? So, like the pastor's kind of like what's driving this congregation. The pulpit drives the church, right? The pulpit yes. drives the church, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's not just true within you know the Baptist circles or the or the. Presbyterian circles, but that's true for the charismatic movement. Yeah. And so yeah. if, if you have a leader in the charismatic church who he's that, he is the, he's that pulpit is driving that church and he that base essentially driving them straight yeah. into a ditch because mm-hmm. the devil has such a foothold on that, that, that he has convinced that person that he's in the will of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And right. this is where I wholeheartedly agree with cessationists. Because uh, I don't know if you've seen the Strange Fire Conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. There's a pastor from the Strange Fire Conference. I can't remember his name right now, but he did a sermon called "Are We Pastors or Are We Witch Doctors?" Mm-hmm. Right, and it was this whole beautiful exposition of 
his churches that he encounters in Africa and the churches in America. In churches in Africa, you have witch doctors who go in front of people, ask for money. Once they get money, they perform a certain mm -hmm. seance, and then mm -hmm. these chaotic events happening, like you were saying, Buddhists and Muslims speaking in tongues, right? Yes. These unbelievers having these chaotic supernatural mm -hmm. events happening. Healings even happening, mm -hmm. right? Like these demonic people with demonic forces mm -hmm. allowing these evil things to happen that we would ordinarily say are good and those are called witch right. doctors and yet mm -hmm. the practices of a lot not all by any means mm -hmm. but of some people who hold authoritative mm -hmm. positions within charismatic churches don't act so much as the pastoral authority but right. oftentimes act as a witch doctor yeah come mm -hmm. up here get your hand la uh, laid on you right. be prayed over and then go fall out well right. Hold on now. Right. I'm hesitant. Right. right. So I agree. it's a tremendous point to make. Like the the role of the pastor in this is huge. Right. And I think it means every pastor should go to seminary. I think that has to be yeah, the, I mean, I the mean, conclusion. To be, yeah, right. yeah. To be yeah. equipped. They have to be grounded in what they're grounded, teaching. Man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, um, for sure. And I mean, and even again, Satan's the guy of confusion. He wants to create chaos. He wants to mm. deceive. And so if that means doing something world uh, through our worldly definition as good, through a healing, to cause that deceit and to cause mm. that confusion, he's going to do it. Right. You know? Even greater. He's, yep. he's going to try and do something good that we would define as good. Right. Mm -hmm. To confuse us even more, that's and I, and that again, that's where he has such a foothold when yeah. we're not mm -hmm. grounded in biblical truth. I agree. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And and I think that goes for any gift, yeah. healing, yeah. Uh, you know, tongues, all all of those, yeah. Yeah. all of those sign gifts. I think can can be categorized in that. But as far as like, okay, so I think we're all there on that. Um, I want to ask Billy a question. I have Absolutely. just got a question I want to <laughs> ask you. How do we think that? Because we would agree that this prophetic gift occurs. How would we say it occurs? What mm -hmm. is the way that it occurs? Like the rightly? context, how, the way in which it. What's the context? How it manifests it itself in real life. Yeah, because I think we would say that it happens, but yes. what we would say is it. What would we say is a biblical context for it to happen? Mm -hmm. Okay, so so I think um, if we're if we're going to the scriptures and trying to argue the continuation, not the gifts, but specifically prophecy. Yeah. Um, I think uh, so, so. Here's what I'll do. I'll answer that using the scriptures first, and then using personal experience. Um, it's the best way to do it. Yes, exactly, mm -hmm. because my experience uh, doesn't even compare to Scripture. Um, <laughs> so, like, the Bible says, you know, we, we read in Acts 2 when the Spirit comes over over um, the, the 120 believers who are gathered in the upper room, and then they begin speaking in tongues in the languages of all those who are present, uh, tongues in this context being used for the advancement of the gospel for those who are present. And then Peter begins to speak in everyone's understanding, and he's giving this sermon about the gospel. But specifically... He quotes, at the very beginning of the sermon, he quotes Joel chapter 2, and this is what he says. He says in uh, Acts 2, verse 36, But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days I'll pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Mm. And so... That's a beautiful. Amen. That's so like, beautiful. Wow. That is so beautiful. <laughs> and and I have it is a tragedy that I've heard so many cessationist, uh, specifically in the dispensational camp, preachers who I greatly admire, who have said um, from the pulpit that that Peter is misquoting Joel too. That's so sad. I know. Yeah, and that's really sad. Yeah. <laughs> like even to say 
that's claiming that there's some sort of mistake in, in no. and I think you know, Peter knows exactly what he's talking yeah. about. Um, yeah. Because and the thing is, the thing is, the reason why is because of that phrase, the last days. We have to answer the question first: What is the last days? Yeah. And so specifically, how do we define that? Well, uh, there's some people, and we might do a podcast on this later, but like uh, when it comes to the idea of the kingdom of God being mm-hmm. already but not yet, that, right, right, that, right. that Christ's kingdom was inaugurated at his first coming, it'll be consummated at his second, but that in this time in between, we live in the last days. Um, it, the, the writer of Hebrews in the very first verses says, in these last days, God has spoken to us through his son, through his son, the final revelation. Mm-hmm. And so we see... That, and even Peter says in these last days, Paul says in the last days, which we are currently in. So right. we see that the last days began when Christ ascended to heaven as we wait in eager anticipation for him to return. And we use these gifts to edify the body until that point. We see that these gifts, which which Joel spoke of, uh, come to fulfillment now in this age. And so I think that that setting it up there as our biblical basis for how we know that there's a continuation of this mm-hmm. specific gift prophecy because we see him saying this will occur in the last days right not necessarily a certain a certain um time period within the last days right but he just gives the general phrase last, in the last days, days. And, and so since you're saying that we're in the last days yes still occurring we've right. been in the last days um from his first coming to his second coming this period uh i would consider based on what the writers of the new testament you know claim these are this this period is the last days okay. and so we see in these days uh, that God is using all of the gifts uh, for for the purpose of the edification of the body. And so I would say, and then we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, where Paul says, earnestly desire the greater mm. gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Uh, he's, he, he, he urges the Corinthians to earnestly desire it. And then he juxtaposes that with tongues and says, I would rather, um, he said, it's not that I wouldn't like you to all speak in tongues as I do, but he says, I'd rather you speak, what is it, five, ten words right, in prophecy yeah. than, than 5,000 words with a tongue, mm-hmm. something like that. And right. so, and, and I think that just shows how important this gift is. And I think I think the purpose of that is because the prophecy is for the edification of the church. Yes, he says yeah. it's a sign and, for believers. And tongues, tongues is, is for, the for self. Yes. Yes. Tongues is for the unbeliever, according to First Corinthians. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Right? Tongues is a sign for unbelievers. So but still, it can also be, the, it's, it's also for a, if you're going down the thought of right, it being a communal yeah. prayer language, right, which right. we can talk about later, yeah. For, yeah. Um, <laughs> that that could be a for self. But right, yeah, for which, the, the yeah. prophecy is specifically for the edification of the body, yeah. Yeah. which is why he is raising it up in importance. Yes, and, and, and it occurs in the last days. Right. Uh, and so I don't think it's, I don't think it's safe uh, or biblical for us to make distinctions on what constitutes the last days. Mm-hmm. I think it's more biblical yeah. just to say that Christ's kingdom, that he said, you know, Jesus is the king, and the king brought the kingdom. He inaugurated it. Uh, he said the kingdom of God is amidst you, and that the Holy Spirit came in a new way at Pentecost, and that his kingdom will be consummated when he returns. But until that point, I think it's unbiblical for us to say that we are not in the last days or that it's some future um, I don't want to say dispensation, but some future uh, time period away from us. Right. I think it's more biblical to say that we've been in the last days and we're currently in it and that God is progressively, we see advancing the gospel and we see these so-called signs of the times happening today. Um, now, now, how does that play out today? To answer the original question, how does that play out today in real life uh, or specifically in this day and age? How does that manifest itself? And I would say, based on, I think this is in line with scripture, but based on my own personal experience, I know of people who very good friends of mine who I respect very much who have had 
uh, dreams regarding things that were to come, and, and they didn't they didn't claim that these dreams were authoritative. Uh, they didn't put any weight to them until they saw it manifest itself in real life. And so there's many people who have had dreams about natural disasters, and then those things have come to happen later. Uh, now they're not claiming the gift is their own that they produced these dreams or right. that they produced the gift. It was just simply revelation that they received. Um, or specifically, there's been times where friends I know have had convictions about specific things regarding specific people. They've asked certain people, hey, are you okay? Um, what's up with your mom? And then immediately they told them things like, how did you know that? And so we see this happen constantly throughout the body of Christ. Um, and I think it's it's funny that it's not the norm, because I feel like in the New Testament, like especially in the first century, it was the norm, mm. seeing this gift you know, for the edification of the body. And I really do believe that if we weren't so hostile to the idea uh, that we would receive it hmm. more. We would receive it Interesting. more. Interesting. Great point. Because what, the two examples you brought up, I've heard in seeker-sensitive churches from mm -hmm. pulpits as like yeah. examples of God moving. I've heard in super-reformed churches as exactly. examples of God moving. It yeah. seems like we're okay with saying God will put... Um, inclinations on your heart. God will put yeah. a wooing on your soul. Uh, hey, you should go talk to that person. Mm. Well, we don't want to call it the gift of prophecy, right? But no, we don't we want don't. to call it a, no, God is giving you a prophetic word about a person right. for something. We don't want to call it that. That's a great distinction. I, I yes. think it's, I think Thank we you. can even make that, like that's similar to even like the weight God may put on us, like to be called somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely. like if I have a weight to go talk to a specific person, yes. you know, and I, and I have a weight, you know, to go do a certain thing. I think that can also be well. Okay, to go to go do a certain thing, I would I would have to juxtapose that because prophecy is usually dealing with a re revelation of a word, right? Okay. A thing. I would say like an inclination. You know, I'm going to hear y'all's right. thoughts. An inclination to go move somewhere is not prophecy. No, no, yeah, yeah, you know not I mean? prophecy, but the weight could be similar. Yeah. Okay. Like that way okay. that we same, feel. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can, same you can compare the experience. Way. Right. 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 Different. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Different. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. We agree because um, in both circumstances, it's spirit prompted. Right. It yes. is produced by the spirit and it is prompted by the spirit. Um, and I think that that's the most important thing that we can understand that that prophecy is spirit oriented. Mm, yes. uh, it's not in and of ourselves. And we do not come up with these revelations, nor do we foretell things that we don't see right. it is something that god gives and 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 we've we've heard of stories um lately we talk about geographical continuations mm -hmm. and we hear of stories in the middle east where where muslims are having dreams about jesus yes and not to say that he directly you know says to him hey this is the gospel mm -hmm. but there's been many times where he's and i know of people with stories who who where he said hey go talk to the white man and then the next day yeah. white people's car yeah. broke down in their village right and they heard the gospel and they all got saved and so we see these things happening uh these people dreaming dreams um i think i think the danger th there's two things i'd say one thing the reason why people are ho so hostile to it the fear of labeling something as prophecy is because they think that we're trying to continue apostolic tradition we're trying to claim the Good gift point. of apostleship mm, point. when we we're trying to claim that our revelation that we've received yeah. uh has as much divine authority as scripture right uh, that's the fear people fear that they're yeah. modern day prophets in that sense i agree and i would also add on to that that people are afraid of even sounding crazy around other christians like right. god yeah. told me this that says the lord i like, think people get scared of that i think, I think people think... are scared of the supernatural I, I would agree. Right. And I think some Christians deal with a little bit of, of not knowing how to interact with the Holy mm -hmm. Spirit as a person yeah. uh, and how to kind of give over to the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. as a person. A.W. Tozer has a great book on this, How to Be Filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a great book. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, 
I think people don't know what that is or how to know and interact right. with the third person. Yeah. And so when you hear people saying, dude, I had this crazy thing happen, I had this dream, they're like, ah, I don't want anything to do right, with that, right. right? You don't want to seem like a crazy person. So I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah, and yeah. I think, especially going back to that geographical con- geographical continuation, is I think in first world countries yeah. or in more modernized places, that's really prevalent. But in yeah. third world countries... Where we see the or, presence of like, witch doctors and things like right, that. Right, that's kind of the norm or like yeah. that that's more mm-hmm. of a normal thing it's not yeah. it's not as looked down upon or as seemed as like inferior to to a culture yeah. here in America where it might seem like you're you're stupid like you're crazy right as com- you know what i mean yeah. so i think that also might play a little bit of a role in it as well yeah, um, yeah. but yeah no i think um i very much agree very much agree and i think that when it comes to our definition of prophecy and how we view it uh, we have to understand that the new testament church was not by any means normal mm. uh, they were not fantastic mm. exactly they were not normal they were supernatural yep. and when people saw them uh, they they knew in acts 4 it says that they saw peter and john they saw their boldness of these two fishermen and they said they know that he's they've mm. been with jesus mm-hmm. you know they've been with jesus and so that's the mark uh, when we display these gifts, these signs, and these wonders, uh, they're meant to show people that we've been with Jesus. Right. You know? And we are proclaiming a message of freedom, yeah. of satisfaction to set the captives free. That is our main objective uh, when it comes to our practice of these gifts, right. uh, to build up the body and invite others to come and know this God who satisfies. And right. so I think, at least for me, I think as a young Christian, when I was younger in the faith, uh, before I started working in ministry, I think there was a kind of a fear uh with the supernatural in the sense that the church that I was at they they didn't it's not that they didn't seek supernatural it's that they didn't seek the physical manifestations of the spirit's power uh, mm. because it because it, it feared them you know like it, it made them it promoted it wasn't even the spirit's fault it's just that we like you said we naturally we don't like to go beyond the here and now right we're so tangible we, we're so in love with the present and with the with what we can see and grasp and what we could experience that we don't go beyond the here and now we don't we don't seek the full manifestation of the spirit's power because it frightens us because we know and i think we as christians we we believe in our hearts that if we actually were to seek god fully and, and expect him to move that he would mm. and that and we are scared of that we mm. are I, I think we we're scared that. of what people think. Mm. Absolutely. Frankly. The yeah. fear of man, I th- yeah. I think we, we have a greater fear of man than we do a fear of God. Mm. And then we do a, a greater hunger for God. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Whole for lot sure. Of agree. And, and, yeah, completely. And so we've we've kind of talked about, we've kind of outlined what our biblical basis for, like, prophecy today is. Yeah, and how it looks in, and how in it looks present day. And all throughout Scripture, and we see Paul, you know, just crushing false prophets and talking about, like, how hey like you guys are listening to the wrong group of people like these mm-hmm. judaizers and these false prophets are are teaching things that aren't the gospel yeah now in today's context i feel like we can we we see ourselves in a similar situation because there are lots of these false prophets quote unquote mm-hmm. that are prevalent in today's church yeah so how does the church <laughs> distinguish from what a true prophet from the Lord looks like and what a false prophet yeah. from Satan looks like. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so we have to be careful. I, I would say 
you would have to begin with the qualifications for elders mm. that we see mm-hmm. in First Timothy and Titus. Yeah, um, absolutely. We have to begin with the character of the individual. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, are there secret sins? Mm. Uh, how's the family life? Like, what's going yeah. on underneath the surface? That's a really good point. Right? Because yeah. if this person is a false prophet, it's going to be real squeaky clean on the outside. Right. And it's going to sound great, but you dig deep a little bit, there's going to be something right. deep there. So I think that's the first thing you have to check. Oh, absolutely. Second thing, I have to, ch- I think you have to check the content of what they're teaching in accordance mm. with the whole counsel of God. Mm-hmm. Not just one particular set of scriptures. Right. I want to check what they say according to Leviticus. Right? Okay. I want, I yeah. want the entire counsel yeah. of God's teaching and I'll place it before what they say mm, yeah. and see if it matches up. Right. Right. So I, I went to uh, Hillsong Church in New York City with okay. my brother this past summer. Uh, and I love Hillsong. He loved Hillsong. We're like, yeah, let's go check out Hillsong Church. And Carl Lentz is somebody who I think is a not a false prophet. I think he is a genuine mm. teacher of the gospel. I will I defend him, right? Mm. Um, however, the person who, <laughs> who spoke that evening wasn't Carl Lentz. It was Brian Houston, mm. who I am not a fan of Brian Houston right. by any means. Isn't Hillsong, he prosperity gospel? He is unbelievable prosperity gospel yes. and very big in the charismatic movement. Yeah. Um, I, I am not a fan of Brian mm-hmm. Houston at all. And I remember sitting there with my brother, with my Bible out, watching his exit Jesus. Mm-hmm. I was seeing the point he was making and then watching the points he was pulling out from it. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was blatant heresy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So if I'm seeing somebody who's... Uh, teaching blatant heresy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I automatically go, that's a false prophet. Well, right. there you go, right? Yeah. So, and I only test it according to the whole counsel of God right. and nothing else. Right, right? Yeah. Um, so my brother and I felt like we were going to vomit after hearing <laughs> that. It was, it was gross. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so those yeah. are the two things I would say. <laughs> okay. The, and the I think character that takes, and the whole counsel of God. I think that takes a certain level of discernment and, and spiritual maturity yeah. to be able to do that. Yeah. Because, oh, yeah. I, because again, the, the pulpit is what drives the church, yeah. but... But the like the people in the church, especially if it's a, a strong church, yeah. it just are really fickle yeah. with with what yeah. we believe. And, and a lot of times, a pastor can preach a sermon, and then the congregation goes home and doesn't bat an eye to anything he said. Yeah. And we're told That's to so test tragic. the spirits. We're he, we're told, hey, if yeah. if Pastor Bill said this, right? Wait, what? Let's see what. Yeah. Oh my bad, <laughs> <laughs> Bill. I just came up with that name. I but am if, a pastor. If, <laughs> if Pastor Joe says this yeah. thing, you know, let's make yeah. sure Bible right. doesn't say something. Else. And yeah. I think, and I want to give you, I know you got to say something, but I oh, want to no, just, you're good, I want you're tack good. on to that. I think you know bad teaching when you've heard good teaching. Absolutely. Good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Like when you hear real <laughs> solid teaching, yeah. it's like you had a really good steak. Like, have you ever been to Burns Steakhouse in Tampa? Yes. Okay. It's unbelievable. Fantastic. You can't eat Outback after going to Burns Steakhouse. <laughs> Dude, right? You can't do it. Like, I like Outback. Six ninety nine steak on Wednesdays. I'm down for right. it. Right? It's an advertisement. Yeah. It's an advertisement. Please give me money okay. and food. Um, but, man, you can't go from a Delmonico and Burns to a little sirloin on Outback. You Amen. can't do it. Right? right? right. Yeah. I think when you hear... A Piper, a C.J. Mahaney, mm. uh, a MacArthur, cessationist, but a MacArthur, right. yeah. like um, a Chandler. When you hear solid doctrinal yes. preaching, you now have ears tuned to right. what this Bible says, Absolutely. how it can be properly proclaimed. And Absolutely. then when you hear fake cupcake, ear tickling, right. sugary <laughs> sermons, right. you're like, Ugh, it feels right. weird. You feel yeah. sick. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's right. Yeah. That 
totally, 100%. I, I really like that illustration you made <laughs> yeah, with the Burns awesome. Outback. I probably won't go to Burns now because I enjoy my Outback yeah, I'm probably going to go to Outback after this, though. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, really? Yeah, I know. Oh, Do you want to go to Burns? <laughs> <laughs> Bro, let's go to Burns. Let's split. Um, no, I... Uh, oh, that's so funny. Uh, my One of my... An old theologian friend of mine actually used a similar illustration for salvation. But he said, you know, it's like uh, like we've been eating dog crap all of our lives. Then we one day we taste a steak and we never go back. Oh, it's so mm. true. Oh, yeah. And I think... Gosh, that, it's so true. And that's same with doctrine. Uh, same with good teaching. Good exegetical teaching. Expository preaching. I can't tell you the reason why I was so committed to my old church. Um, and like I said, it was a, it was a medium-sized dispensational mm-hmm. Baptist church. And so theologically, we are different on so many points. But the reason why I so joyfully and naturally submitted to the teachings of the pastor was because... He always encouraged, one, that we test his messages with Scripture. Mm-hmm. He always pointed us back to the Bible. And two, when he preached, he walked through the passage. Yep. He didn't just, he didn't just, do, the preachers today, and this is a huge pet peeve of mine, when they give motivational speeches and then just mm. attach some verses to them that are totally out of context. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Then the worst is they give a gospel call at the end. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Like exactly. There, there was no sin, cross, atonement. Yes. resurrection and you're going to give me a gospel call yes. like what is this and right. I, yeah. I will say to the to the general audience that if you're going to a church like if you attend a church or if you visit a church and their sermon if if it doesn't include Jesus then it's they're not a pastor they're it's not they're not, not being a pastor they're not preaching truth I very much believe that you can take any passage of scripture and, and exegetically walk through it and you come to the gospel mm-hmm. and if you don't absolutely. if come you on. don't then you are absolutely not doing justice to that passage you're not doing justice to his word and you're not doing justice to the cross uh, and so I very much believe that the cross Christ and crucified has to be the center of all our messages and if it is not if it is not then we're not preaching the right Bible I agree yeah um, absolutely and I don't know if you've Billy if you've ever had a chance to read Tim Keller's preaching I know, oh, absolutely. I know Tyler yeah. absolutely he gives the illustration of like this like this highway in the middle right mm-hmm. and there's all these yeah. little avenues and boulevards that kind of shoot off of it and, and the job of a preacher is to maybe take a right turn on one of these avenues and, and go down a back road and discuss some like deeper theological topics. But yeah. if you're not always, if you're not focused on getting back to the highway mm-hmm. and re- and all those avenues come back to the highway, yeah. you know, if you're not focused on getting back there, which is like your central route home to right. Jesus, right. then there's no point in you preaching. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And so th- that's from Tim Keller's and preaching. Unfortunately, we see a lot of that in churches today. And the reason why people so naturally submit to the, this, this, false teaching is because they've never heard they've never heard good teaching yeah, yeah. they've never heard heard good doctrinal uh, exegetical teaching um, and so because they're so accustomed and comfortable to the to the ear tickling mm. uh, they just they just sit there and they just listen to yeah. it um, and that's why that's why we see like uh, the, the, the reform movement today like mm. led by people like John Piper and Matt right. Schneider the reason why it's so active and, and growing so wide today is because people are hearing for the first time good apostolic yeah. teaching yeah like teaching that is rooted in the scriptures uh, and spirit prompted and and it's authoritative in that it is it is pointing us back to God's authoritative word and so I very much believe I think the main problem we see in the church today and, and I love that you said this when it comes to false teachers is that is that they are so well received uh, one I think because they're because they're preaching to one it could be because they're preaching to non-believers right. uh, unbelievers who, who think they're saved uh, and that's that's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. They think that they're saved, and the reason that they think they're saved is because they're listening to him. Mm. Uh, and I think it, it, James chapter three, very first verse says that teachers will be judged more strictly. And the reason being is because yes, God will 
his his chosen ones will be saved ultimately but he's also ordained the means of their salvation that's the preaching of the gospel so in the same way he has ordained the means by which people uh come to come to reject it uh given that you know he doesn't he doesn't open their eyes no inward calling but we're not mm-hmm. going to you know we talked about that right, right, right. Ago. but like mainly i would say the reason why teachers are judged so strictly is because by their word of mouth their words are powerful their tongue is powerful and by it they're leading people into heaven or hell absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely i saw piper give a sermon once that the, the role of the preacher is to be like the launching pad and you know how piper yeah. when he uses his hands yeah. it's the coolest thing <laughs> yes right it's like just dropping a mix it's unbelievable yeah. <laughs> right well he like put he like shoots his hand from his mouth and he yes. says like pretend these are my words and he said and he puts his other hand behind and he says and the spirit goes right behind them mm. into the ears of the people and into the heart of the people yeah that's the role of the preacher that's the absolutely. role of the master absolutely and i think we've tapped into something pretty beautiful here that prophecy is dictated specifically entirely by the word of god mm. and by yes. the proclamation of the word absolutely. of god mm. if there is someone who claims to be a prophet i have met people in third world countries mm-hmm. and in this country mm-hmm. who have called themselves my name is blank the prophet mm. right if you call yourself that you are not proclaiming <laughs> yeah. the authoritative whole counsel of god yeah you are not a prophet right and oh, i think man. we could even say that like what kind of what we touched on earlier uh like jesus was the like he he fulfilled that role like he was the prophet so to even call yourself a prophet is unbiblical you can exercise the gift of prophecy but you cannot have that role as of a prophet moses talked about the coming prophet and he's talking in in reference to jesus deuteronomy 14 brother absolutely and i think that's so beautiful Mm. uh jesus himself is the culmination he's the fulfillment of the law and the prophets he does not abolish them but he fulfills them and so no matter what passage of scripture you're approaching um if you are not if it doesn't point to Jesus, the fulfillment, if you're not looking at it in light of the fulfillment, uh, then you're looking at it with a shroud over your face. Right. And I would say that's inconsistent teaching. Right. Um, and it's unbiblical, honestly, uh, yeah. to and stay there. Absolutely. And again, like just taking it back to like this deception, yeah. like Satan can only take things that are good right. and, and twist them to, to make them bad, right? Yeah, and so he, he can't it, yes. create anything bad. So he's he's taking these gifts that are from God and they're good, right? Right, And he's twisting mm-hmm. them around to cause confusion and deception. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, so yeah. I just, again, going yeah. back to that point, I think it's just really important that we are uh, praying for constant discernment and wisdom from the Spirit when we're yeah. seeking the Scriptures mm-hmm. from what we have been uh, taught from the pulpit. And Billy, you yeah. touched on it earlier. I think a mark of a true pastor, a true teacher, is someone that says, "Hey, this is this is what God has placed on my heart, and I have yeah. t- taught it to you. But go home and Read make yourself. sure it's yeah. backed yes. up in the right. Bible. Yeah, right? be a Berean, be someone who searches That's the it. Scriptures. Exactly. And, and one thing I want to say, because Tyler said, and I thought it was, it was beautiful, uh, because I very much agree with this. I think that the main mark of a false teacher is is their character. I mean, whenever Paul talks about false teachers, Mm -hmm. he talked about identifying them by the way that they live their lives, not even the content of their doctrine. Uh, I mean, that will reveal itself, but ultimately, it's how they live their lives. Uh, That is the main mark of whether or not they're they're a true or false teacher or prophet, whatever Mm -hmm. you want to call it. Um, And I think that that's why we see see that the Spirit, and we talked about this last week, but the Spirit 
the, the gifts of the Spirit will always be practiced in alignment with the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, you can, Gosh, that's hmm. good. Thank you. You need to write a book on that sentence. <laughs> Just on that sense. That is alone. good. Just on that book. sense. I mean, like, <laughs> that's amazing. I'm not kidding. That's oh, incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Right and I very much believe that like the, the they totally, they mm. go together. Yeah. Right. You cannot practice one without the other. Because right. it's the same spirit. Right. Exactly. It's the same, the same spirit. spirit. It's the same Jesus. It's the same God. That's yeah. right. Right. It's that's right. right. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. this is awesome. And then to separate them is like not biblical yeah, at right. all. And you can't practice prophecy while at the same time you can't do it in hate. Right. You, oh, you can't gosh. you True. can't do it in chaos. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you do, then again it's not of the Lord, it's demonic. Yeah, and we even read that the fruit of the spirit are, it's not fruits. They're not separate fruits, fruit. but it's yeah. a fruit of the spirit. Good. And, and in the same way are these gifts all have to be united in, yeah. a, in, in a harmonious fashion that can only be from God. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. 100%. And something that we haven't really talked about uh, today, which is something that I kind of want to touch on before before we close. Oh, is, yeah. Have we been going for a while uh, now? For a while. Oh, really? The addition to canon. <laughs> and the I, addition to canon. I, I kind of want to talk about this. So we all agree that, that the Bible has been the 66 books of mm. scripture that God has given us is, is completed. The there's no more writing to be added to scripture. Yes. Right. The final uh, sufficient authority of God. But not everyone, I guess, agrees or, or would hold yeah. to that. Some people would even play the role of an apostle or, or try to play the role of like an apostle in terms of like Paul or mm-hmm, we can all be apostles in terms of like being the sent, sent ones. Right. Yeah. But, but not in terms of like right. how the role Paul played. So how, how does that kind of play out? And I just wanted to spark a discussion on that. I'm going to let Billy take the apostle thing. Okay. Because okay. uh, I think he has a sufficient answer to that. Actually, I know he does. Oh, wait, you do? Um, I'm pretty, I'm pretty Are you confident. prophesying right now? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. That was awesome. Um, but what, what you mentioned about the the adding to scripture, mm-hmm. the canon of scripture, how does prophecy work within it? Um, you had mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that I've had like some, a lot of spiritual right. experiences. Um, and this uh-huh. one I'm going to speak on, I've spoken on, on public record. Okay. I've spoken this okay. about publicly before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, before the podcast, I said, I don't want to yeah, share yeah. personal private mm-hmm. experiences. I don't, this is one I've spoken about publicly okay. and yes. spoken publicly about. And prayerfully it'll edify us. Yes. And that's the point. And yeah. I hope this illustrates kind of what we're meaning okay. about. There's no addition to scripture yet. Prophecy can occur. Right. Uh, so, I am a missionary to Cuba. Uh, I go once a year to Guantanamo, Cuba to support our local sister church there. It's one of the most amazing mm-hmm. jo- things about my job that I get to take people to Cuba, be yeah. in Cuba, and watch what God does when you're in mm-hmm. an oppressed people. It's right. unbelievable. Uh, last time I went, I got the opportunity to preach on Sunday morning, which is the most humbling thing That's mm-hmm. awesome. there could ever be. Yeah. Uh, and on the Friday we arrived, I was in prayer and I had Isaiah 60 placed on Mm -hmm. my soul. Now, Isaiah 60 is God describing through Isaiah what this fulfilled kingdom of God post-Isaiah 53 Mm -hmm. is going to look like. Right. right? So it's him giving descriptions of the characteristics of the kingdom. Yeah. And I'm sitting in prayer, and I'm like, God, why am I reading this? Like, what what do you want? Why? Like, Mm -hmm. why this on this trip? Like, we just got to Guantanamo. Shouldn't I be, like, shouldn't you give me something about courage right Mm -hmm. now? Like, why are you putting me... To this passage of scripture and uh i just kind of got kept getting it over and over the next day i'm asked to preach and i'm like well i know i know what i'm gonna preach mm-hmm. on now i'm gonna preach on isaiah 60 right. so i go home and i plot out all right here's what isaiah 60 says it says bop, 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 bop. So there's five things right i go to the pulpit 45 minutes here's what isaiah 60 says da, 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 da. and i feel swelling over me in that moment that i should say 
God is fulfilling these things in Cuba, in Guantanamo, in you, Guantanamo United Methodist Church. Didn't know why, but mm. I felt that I needed to present that. that this mm. isn't just a one type thing that God is pres- preserving mm-hmm. these characteristics of the kingdom in your church. Mm. Yeah. When I said that, the pastor took his Bible, put it above his head, and started jumping up and down. Now, this is a charismatic leaning church, mm-hmm. so that's not unusual. Right. But it's still a, yeah. like that. Something happened there to right. spark that. Um, I pray, come, come down off the stage, and he comes up off the stage and he goes, Tyler, you're not going to believe this. In Spanish, it's being translated. What you just preached on are the four or five characteristics are our for our mission and vision for the church for the next two years. Wow. Right? So I didn't know the characteristics of Isaiah 60 were mm-hmm. dealing with their church. I didn't know what God was doing in the like guts of their mm-hmm. church and in right. their city and how mm-hmm. he was using them. He talked about, like, Isaiah 60 talks about orphans coming back home and about the people being That's united awesome. with families. And he said in service, he's like, we have seen that happen. We continually see that. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. so... The proclaiming of the word, right, right, happened yeah. to be in match with what was occurring in real life. Yeah, it's not that I'm a prophet, right, right. It's that I was just preaching and proclaiming yeah. and stating truth, and it happened to be in mm. line with what God was saying. Wow. It may have been even cooler. The next day, we go to a different church to install a water system, and uh, we go in and we meet this church. We meet all the people, and we look on the wall, and Isaiah 60 is written out on. Wow. of this church mm. so did i do that no am i right. claiming a prof- prophetic authority or right. apostolic authority or did i write a new section of the scripture heck no like no. the furthest right. thing from it right i was a servant saying what i was told to say right right and yeah. in that it connected to god's movement that's in the awesome. people in the right. church that's so I, I hope that's a helpful yeah, it, illustration yeah. and it, it's it like just hearing the story and seeing how you were faithful to the spirit and faithful to the scriptures mm, glory to god how god used that yeah. like when, when you are intimately seeking god and when you're seeking you know his desire for you and like just passionately pursuing jesus with all of your being god uses it mm. in amazing ways and that's Absolutely. that's proof yeah. i mean right there and no one's you can't you can't deny something that God has done amazing mm. through people and Absolutely. so it's amazing um, and so yeah to kind of go into the uh, ap- apostolic how do you, apostolic. Apostolic. apostolic apostolic I hate, yeah. I hate that <laughs> talk about it yeah I think uh, specifically and I think one of the greatest tragedies we see in the church today is that believers or people who claim to be believers are doubting the sufficiency of scripture mm. I think that's a tragedy um, because I mean honestly it's we base all of our orthodoxy off of scripture. Yeah. That's how we get to the gospel is with the scriptures. So for us to doubt it is for us to throw it all away. Right. Um, there's, there's no point. And so I would very much say, uh, one, we have to come to an understanding of the sufficiency of scripture, but also we have to understand that the writers of the New Testament had the divine authority to mm. write scripture and right. relay those messages they yeah. received from God. Mm. Um, and specifically, so what are the qualifications? We would say, well, as we stated you know, the first thing in the podcast that the that the Old Testament prophets um, are what in the New Testament would be considered the apostles. Right. And we see these two groups of people talked about throughout Paul's letters. He talks about the foundation of the church, uh, the prophets and the apostles. And so, so talking about the Old Testament prophets, about starting with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, he talks about uh, the continuation of these prophets throughout the Old Testament age until we get to about 400 years before Christ comes and mm-hmm. they cease. Uh, then that 400 period of silence. And then when Jesus comes on the scene, we see John the Baptist, probably the first, pro- um, well, no, we see 
we see uh, we see John's Baptist prophesied, uh, his birth prophesied, and then right. we see like Simeon and um, and Anna. Anna, the she was a she was a woman uh, who who prophesied when Jesus came to the temple mm. to be circumcised, and so we do see things things like this happening for the first time as God is bringing about His kingdom, the arrival of His King, and so the question is again, how does prophecy is that the, is that synonymous with adding to canon? Mm. And I would say absolutely not, right. uh, because no believer has the divine authority to relay messages of God in forms of scripture. We don't have that authority. The apostles did. And the apostles, by definition, were those who were specifically commissioned by Christ and who saw the risen Jesus. Mm. Uh, they saw the risen Jesus. They were commissioned by him. And they are the ones who built the foundation of the church. Right. And so for us to say the prophecy is still active today, uh, that's continuing, is not to say that the scriptures are insufficient. It's for us to say that the scriptures are completely sufficient and that we do not need a new revelation, mm-hmm. uh, but that God is still, he's revealing things to believers for the purpose of the edification of the body, just as mm-hmm. we see in Acts with prophets like Agabus, who right. knew that fame was coming. And immediately when he said that, we see the response that the churches banded together and contributed money and supplies mm-hmm. uh, for the Jerusalem church for the coming famine. And so we see that when God gives these messages to people, that, that there's a difference between prophesying and teaching. There's a difference between right. those two offices, those two gifts. Um, and that, as just we said, the office is not still active today of either apostle or prophet, right. uh, but we do see the gift of prophecy playing out in our churches today as believers are receiving this these revelations from God, these instantaneous, spontaneous right. revelations, and they're relaying it to the congregation, but but we don't ever say, and I think Wayne Grudem says this beautifully, he says, these are merely human words mm. uh, trying to trying to convey divine revelation. Yeah. Amen. You know, so, mm. so for us to say that we're prophets, um, I think that that's unbiblical, uh, because again, you know, the office right, has ceased, right. but, but to say that we prophesy in the sense that God has revealed something to us, and we are relaying that message to people, and we are testing with scripture, I think that that's completely biblical. But we, like I said, at the death of the last apostle, and this is where I would agree with, with cessationists wholeheartedly, that at the death of the last apostle, the canon of scripture was complete. Yes. And mm-hmm. nobody, Amen. no one beyond that point had any authority to write the right. scriptures. Yeah. Not even the disciples of the apostles right. had the authority. Right. It was strictly those who were commissioned by Christ personally and who personally saw vi- the visible risen Lord Jesus and who he directly talked to. Mm. And so I think that only the, only those group of people only those group of people have the authority to write the scripture and we should only consider their words to be scripture as the spirit carried them and wrote those words right absolutely um, I can't 100%. wait for you to write your first book. <laughs> I'm so excited for it. I'm should, should I go by Billy or William? What do you think? Oh man, I, I don't know. Billy the Billy Bard. William. Billy the Bard sounds good. <laughs> I like it, dude. I'm you're the man. Oh, that was awesome. You. Great. Yeah. You. Awesome. So before before we you're close, wonderful. I also want to just touch on God does everything for God, right? Like God is for yeah, God. Absolutely. Um, and yes, so man. just just pointing that out, like any prophetic message that God is sending to us is ultimately for the glorification yeah. of Jesus and like himself and the advancement of the gospel Adva- right yeah. it, which is how like he's glorified through that yeah, that's so, how like, he's glorified like yeah. god is for god and so everything he does for us and through us is ultimately for his glory right and so i mean that's also another kind of like 
telltale sign like is this glorifying god and is the you know through the biblical ways we see of how god is glorified mm-hmm. like are we yeah. within that and so i think that's just one thing to to also just kind of keep yeah. in the back of our mind and consider i would even add to that an approach in humility to mm. these things yeah. yeah right like when you're dealing with the spiritual gifts when you meet people who have the spiritual gifts there's always a level of humility that you mm. meet with people. Absolutely. I have most of the people I have met who have an abundance of spiritual gifts, meaning sign gifts and mm. all of them. Right. Um, have been incredibly humble mm. in either their experiences, they've been humbled, mm. <laughs> uh, or also additionally humble in their disposition. Right. Um, we see that in scripture too with Paul, exactly. the thorn. I mean, exactly. Because of the surpassing revelations that God was giving Paul. God sent this thorn, this messenger so of Satan, boast. so yeah. that he wouldn't mm-hmm. boast in the revel and the greatness yeah. of these revelations. It's all humility, right. not f- not to us, not to us, but to your name be the glory. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Right. Not yeah. to us. And yeah. I think that's the, the most important point that we can get out of it. Just not even just a discussion of prophecy, but just gifts in general. Is that God does not need us right. in Amen. any way, shape, or form. Gosh. He does not need us. We carry the blessing of being ambassadors for mm-hmm. Christ, of being mm-hmm. His messengers to a dying world. Like I said before, he's, he's ordained who will be saved, and he's also ordained the means of their salvation, being the proclamation of the gospel through the nations, through his servants, yeah. through his people, through mm. his children, through his church, through his bride. Yeah. And so I think for us to come to it with that approach, that we are not needed by the God of the universe, that right. he does not need us, but he has ordained that this is the mm. means by which he will glorify himself mm. by using these broken vessels. Right. And making something beautiful, making a right. beautiful mosaic out of them yeah. and using them yeah. for his good purposes. Uh, I mean, I, and I very much believe God is more glorified in rescuing, redeeming a fallen world, using broken people mm, yeah. than in simply just doing it um, with, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, perfect people. Right. Yeah, uh, because, absolutely. I mean, like, that's the thing. And I think that's so beautiful. Uh, more glory to God that he can use broken things for Amen. his beautiful purposes. And First Corinthians 1, he uses the weak and foolish to yeah. profound the exactly. wise. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'd, I'd have it no other he uses way. The, he uses the weak to, to yeah. shame the strong. Yeah. What yeah. an honor to be the weak one in the house yeah. of God. Absolutely. What an honor. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you even see through all throughout all the Old Testament and, and the people all throughout the New Testament, you know, Moses with his speech impediment and, and, yeah. and you know, all these, yeah. you know, Jeremiah was just a kid. Right. And Paul wasn't a great public Paul speaker. Paul couldn't speak that. Yeah. Timothy was was also really young. Yeah. And so, you know, you see all these things. And and yes, God had the, this route of like, be humble, but I'm going to be glorified and people are going to come to know me through you. Um, and, and that goes for all of us. So yeah. thank you guys so much for uh, this is awesome. being here. Yeah, thanks, Tom. We awesome. could go for hours more. We could go for a long time. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Dude. Uh, host Always. and co-host <laughs> of Bringing Grace to the Nations. Dude, yeah. It was an honor. It's such a pleasure having you. Thank you. Um, I look forward to the next read, whatever the post is. Yeah, actually, is. I can't wait. We can't wait to have you back, I'm sure. Yeah. And um, I, I do think, uh, just really quick before we go, uh, we should... Um, just encourage the general audience to be praying specifically for, you know, the, the Las Vegas shooting and yes. the, the, 58, um, the, the 28 lives that were lost, the 500 lives that were um, the injured people who were yeah. affected by it, their families, um, the families, uh, the family of the shooter uh, and his brother and, and their family. And uh, and then also, you know, like we talked about um, in Chapel, I mentioned the, uh, the 64 people yeah. in Puerto, Puerto Rico, Rico. Yeah. who the Hurricane Maria's. You know, like, and so I just really do believe that um, we know again that God's doing a great work through this. He's using all this for His good purposes. Mm. I just do want to encourage the general audience to be praying specifically for those victims, and that we don't shy away from things like that, but that we understand we confront the reality of evil. But as 
as lights in the world, mm. uh, that we don't shy away from darkness, but that we walk directly into it and we bring light. Absolutely, 100%. I think uh, I think this is a time where, where Christians, like God is opening some doors, and, and it's time for Christians to really mm-hmm. be the light of the world. And um, I, I'm really pumped to see what God does in and through it, but it's also Absolutely. our job to, to rally around those who are hurt and to rally around those yeah, who those have been mourn. affected yeah. and, and be with them and mourn with them and meet mm-hmm. them where they're at. And... and and so, yeah, absolutely. Um, I definitely yeah. encourage, you know, we've been in, a, our school has been in a state of prayer. Uh, and, and I'm sure, you know, families and things have been in state of prayers. And we encourage everyone who is a part of the Bringing Grace to the Nations family to also yeah. just be in a state of prayer and keep your eyes open because you never know who you're going to come across and when you're going to come across them. So, yeah, absolutely. Amen. Gloria. Amen. So thank you guys so much for tuning into the Bringing Grace to the Nations podcast. I'm sorry it was a little bit of a longer episode, but I absolutely think it was definitely one of the most enjoyable episodes for us to record and also hopefully (laughs) for you guys to to listen to. So thank you guys for tuning in. If if you need to email me any questions, please email me at uh, gracenationministries at yahoo.com. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at gracenationmen, and please like us on Facebook. Sign up for our newsletter. There's so many ways for you guys to get in touch Mm -hmm. and connected with the ministry, and each route offers something new and different and amazing, Mm -hmm. and and I definitely encourage you guys to take advantage of all the resources that that we're uh, trying so hard to to Mm -hmm. get available to you guys, and there's some amazing stuff kind of on the brink of Grace Nation that I'm super excited to be able to announce here in the upcoming weeks and months, but until then uh just guys just keep plugging in and, and i'm so thankful for all of the listeners and for you two guys just being here on the podcast so thank you. thank you guys so much for tuning in until next time take care and god bless and that's the show thanks for listening the bgn podcast comes out every week questions email us at grace nation ministries at yahoo.com or tweet us at Grace Nation Min. Until next time, take care and God bless.